Welcome into the Off the Post podcast. I'm Nick Ovalion with my co-host Lucas Tashi. Today we're going to be talking about some current events going on in the football world. We're going to give you the Champions League results. We're going to go through the Ballon d'Or shortlist, and then we're going to wrap it up with some upcoming matches for this weekend. We hope you guys enjoy the show. Lucas, how are things going? Uh, I don't. Uh, uh, I'm just. Uh... Uh, I'm, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm kidding. There was a lot of really, really good soccer this week. There's a lot of news to get into. Um, the reason I start off with that is just there was it, it was a brutal week in terms of DraftKings sportsbook, my sportsbook. Um, there was a chance to hit big on the Champions League parlays, and it just didn't happen. Uh, but yeah, no. Other than that, the soccer itself was uh, it was very uh, exciting, exhilarating, um, action nonstop, uh, and we'll definitely get into the Champions League results. But um, yeah, things are good. How about you? Uh, yeah, dude. I, I mean, we're gonna talk about your parlay when we get to the results because I just feel so bad for you. Uh, but uh, other than that, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, you texted me yesterday to talk about the uh, the Real Madrid Shakhtar game, and you're like, "I need this game for them to win." I was like, "Don't worry, they'll they'll do it," and they did. So that's always good. And uh, Arsenal have been decent, so I can't I can't complain from the from the footballing side. Uh, but yeah. other sports so, things for sure. Have been doing really well. Really. Yeah recently um i saw this image on instagram where both Oli and arteta are in this like spectrum of it's like up and down up and down like both guys are either like at the top of the world they're in incredible form or they're just down rock bottom um either or yeah uh, it's, it's not consistent form so it's funny, like when one's doing great, the other's doing poorly. When one's doing, uh, the other's doing great, the other's doing poorly. It's it's quite funny to see. Um, but yeah, uh, both of our sides. Uh, you have been a lot happier in recent recent weeks, for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I I just I can only feel for you, man. <laughs> I think I think what you're saying is totally right. I mean, we we don't want to turn it to a Manchester United Arsenal thing, but they're they're basically kind of. In a way, the same type of manager, which is which is totally crazy to think about. Uh, speaking of managers, yeah, let's talk about some uh, current events that are going on. So uh, I know we want to start off by talking about Conte. Uh, Manchester United beat Tottenham, and and that ends up being the uh, the sacking derby, right, where the loser goes home. And it turns out it was uh, Nuno uh, Spirito Santos that was the one that was let go by Tottenham. They uh, end up appointing Conte uh, to be the manager now, which honestly I think is so good uh, for them. And I'm excited to see how that squad uh, plays now. But I don't think anything that happens to Tottenham this year will – will impact them until they reach the summer transfer window. I really can't take them seriously uh, going forward for this season, but I feel like after this season, that's when we should consider how this squad will turn out, especially considering the fact that I don't think Harry Kane will end up being there after this year. Yeah, 
Uh, I would agree with you. Um, uh, it, they really just messed up in the summer transfer window, not selling Harry Kane to begin with for what was it, 130 million to Man City. Yeah, they've used that funding for uh, another striker to play alongside uh, Youngmin Son because Youngmin Son is their best player. Harry Kane is not their best player. Oh. Uh, you can see it in the in the match on Saturday uh, where United were obliterating them. It, it was like a completely new side, but like you have to take it with a grain of salt because like like Sir Alex Ferguson used to always say, it's just Tottenham lads. Um, it was just how United played the week before is how Tottenham played then. And, and you're right, it, it was El Sakiko. Uh, with Nuno getting sacked on Monday, it's it's going to be interesting to see what Antonio Conte can do with this side. Uh, I think the players are not quality. I don't think he is able to do anything with them now. It depends what he gets in January or uh, the summer. I heard last summer he was about to be their manager, but he declined because he wouldn't be be able to pay for the players that he wanted to bring in. For example, he has a shortlist right now. Matthias De Ligt is in that shortlist. Uh, that player would cost nearly 80 million, 90 million euros. Like, uh, it, it's a high price for a player of that quality. Um, so we'll see if the Spurs, the management, either change their mind and they're like, okay, we need to spend money to get better, or if Conte is just taking the job and trying to do what he can with the with the players that he has. But I think this season is not going to be as good for them, uh, given the quality of the players that they have. But you never know. You never know. And Antonio Conte, it, it's a great signing for them as a manager. He's a fantastic manager. He's a certified winner. Um, he's brought Inter Milan to win the Scudetto. He's brought uh, Chelsea to win the league. He has Premier League experience too, which is very, very important and very noteworthy because uh, being a manager in the Premier League is difficult. Um, but yeah, I, I think after a few weeks, we'll see what will happen. Right now, we're recording the podcast on Thursday, November 4th, and they're playing uh, in the Europa Conference League. At one point, they were winning 3-2. And currently they're uh, only, oh no, sorry, at one point they were winning 3-0. And then they conceded two goals before the half. So currently it is 3-2. So um, I guess this is what Antonio Conte's team is going to be like. But um, yeah, uh, excited. If I was a Spurs fan, I would be very excited with the signing. Uh, He definitely knows how to put his players in the right position to win, even if it is a short-term management. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, in terms of the the wingbacks that he has, he has good players to be able to play the three four three that he likes. Uh, defensively, though, uh, for for their center backs, they only have uh, Romero, who I consider to be a quality center back currently. Like Eric Dyer is kind of average to slightly below average for what Tottenham wants to shoot for, and I think that they would need to have someone like Delight. To, to join them in another center back possibly to be able to solidify those back positions. And then they need a central midfielder. But as far as, uh, as far as who they have to fill in those positions, if they sell Kane and then they're able to play son at the striker position, right. 
And you can play Brian Hill as a winger alongside Lucas Moore with Son in the middle. That gives you a pretty dynamic formation, even though he does like to have historically stronger strikers uh, to be the ones that occupy him. I, I do think there's a lot of pieces here that he can work with, right? And, uh, and I'm excited to see what he has. If he gets the players that he wants, then I think that they'll be fairly successful. Uh, you know, competing for Champions League's titles, I'm not sure, but we'll see. And to recap this, I just have an interesting Spurs statistic, right? You know how many guess guess who they are playing? They have they have uh, not playing paying. They have Poke, Nuno Espirito Santos, and Conte, whom they are all paying till 2023. Three managers. Who's Poke? Pochettino. Oh, Poach. 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 Oh, sorry. Sorry. Wow. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but yes. So they're all pl- they're paying three managers for the next uh, two, three years. So it really seems like they can't afford to let go of Conte, even if they want to. Otherwise, they'd be pl- paying like what upwards of like 20 million euros per year for the next two years in management salary for for one manager that's occupying possibly like two or three spots. So just an interesting statistic to talk about the dysfunction of Spurs, but. This is the appointment that can really change them, and they honestly should have made it uh, in the in the summer because they're, they're it's not like they're frugal spenders, right? They spend money, so to me it was just it just didn't make sense that they they didn't want to bring him in yeah. because they they were afraid to spend when in fact they they spent as much as you'd want from a Premier League team. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I have a question for you with Conte coming in. What do you think would be a success for them this season? Not next season, this season. Uh, top six, I think. Okay. Yeah, really? yeah, yeah, top six. Uh, I, I mean, he listen, he, like, you go down the list, right, of managers in the Premier League right now. Who, who has won the title besides uh, him and him, Pep, and Klopp? Yeah, no, nope. that's a good point. Yeah, nobody... No one, no one else. So, if we're if we're talking about that, right, and we're talking about some guy who is proven to light a fire under his players, uh, like hit, hit under his players' asses, uh, he is the guy. He plays with passion and he's hard-headed and stubborn, but tactically he's really good. Like he's not, uh, he's not, uh, he's on a tier above Allegri. I would say that. I would consider him higher up than Allegri because. He's just done more with different varieties of teams. Mm-hmm. And also, I just think, listen, he's not as, uh, do I think he's as good as uh, Klopp or Pep? No, I don't. Uh, listen, uh, Tuchel is, is a great coach, don't get me wrong. But uh, besides a couple of trophies and other than winning the Champions League last year, I know they're, they're first uh, currently for in the Prem. Like what? What else has he really? What else has he really won? You know what I mean. I put. I put. I know the Champions League is the trophy for club football, right? And I know you're nodding your head right now, but I look at. I look at uh, Conte's accomplishments, right? He won the Serie A three times. He won the Premier League with Chelsea, the FA Cup. He won the Serie A with uh, with Inter Milan. Uh, he he was second place and basically the runner up in the UEFA Europa League. 
with Italy, uh, he guided them, I think, to to the semifinals of the Euros. I don't remember off the top of my head, so I could be totally wrong, right? So his accomplishments are super high, right? If you if you had the cha- if he had the Champions League, I put him I put him in the same category as Klopp and and Pep, right? But I just think that. Uh, and I don't want to go on a rant. I'm going to conclude it and give it back to you. I just think that in terms of the league titles he's had with some of the domestic trophies along with the international success, I'd consider him a little bit higher than Tuchel. A little bit higher. Because because who he could have anyone could have won the league. Anyone could have won the league. I'm just I'm just saying. Yeah, but Tuchel brought in a team that was in 7th to 8th place in, in the Premier League, and he won the Champions League with them, and then he also got 4th place with them, or 3rd place with them. So I, I think last I think Tuchel has improved so much since him being with uh, PSG. I think he's... Uh, him and Conte, to me, are even in terms of, like, level. Okay. But, I think I yeah, hundred percent. Pep and Klopp are a level of their own, and and then it's the, those two. I would say it's those two that are next to next to each other and below them. But yeah, t- so with that though, I would say top six is not top six with Conte's um, standards is not a success. Okay. I'd say uh, top four would be a success. That'd be a great success for them. Given that they're only five points back, it's not too much of a gap that they can't uh, fill in. But if they get top six and win the FA Cup, then I would say it's a success. Okay, that makes so sense. So if he gets a trophy and gets FA Cup, yeah. Uh, if he and gets top six, then yes. Okay. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm. They're, they're. You're right. They're five points off, right? But it's just the amount of teams that they're competing with this season, like. The Premier League always just seems to get deeper every single yeah. year, right? Like we're I'm looking at I'm looking at six teams right now competing for for top four. And I know listen, we have we have Arsenal finishing within the top six, I think. Uh like that's totally possible given that their their form's been incredible since they they lost three in a row to start the season. Uh Manchester United, Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea. Uh Man United are just too talented to and I don't think uh, they would allow for uh, them to finish outside the top four. West Ham have been in great form all year. So, I mean, I'm looking at these teams. Like Tottenham, they can round to form, right? And they can, they can pick things up. But can they break into those six? Like, it's possible for sure. It's just it's just there's just so much talent in the Premier yeah. League. It's like the NFL now. They can lose any given, any given weekend. Uh, and... They haven't even drawn a game yet, so it's either it's either a win or a loss for them, which is super interesting to me. I think I think if you're telling me uh, right now, right, they play Everton this weekend. Mm-hmm. Do I think they win that game? Uh, I think not, to be honest. So I think it's I think it's tighter than people would think. I think it's tighter than people would think. So, I think you win because Everton are in abysmal form right now. Um, mm-hmm. He got obliterated uh, over the past two weeks by Watford, and I, I can't remember the other team. Um, but yeah, I I do think Spurs should win. Okay, so they have that right, and then the, going down the schedule, they 
So Spurs have, I think, them and then Leeds after that. So Leeds is the same thing. They've had a they've had a worse second start to the to the year or worse second season compared to when they started last year, right? But the thing that's crazy is they have they have like ten points, so they're only five points off of Tottenham, and they're only they're not going to qualify for the Champions League, but they're four points off of mid table positioning. So that just goes to show how tight this is, right? Yeah. Uh, like like I said, it's just so tough. There's so many good teams. Uh, they have to beat the teams they're expected to beat. So if they beat Everton and Leeds, uh, and then Burnley, right? they'll they'll have my attention and they'll be in that conversation. But to your point, their schedule is very easy for the next month, month and a half. Mm -hmm. So they they play Everton, they play Leeds, Burnley, Brentford, Norwich City, uh, and then it gets a little tougher when they play Brighton, Leicester, Liverpool, and Crystal Palace. So so for for the next month, right, if I look at that and I think if we think Conte is going to get into the top six and compete for Champions League, they have to get they have to get 10 of 12 at least, right? Yeah. So so we'll see how they do from there. And uh, and then we'll monitor. And, and we both love to talk shit about Spurs. So if they don't do well, it's, it's, a, it's a win for us. Uh, and if they do do well, it'll be interesting conversation. But I think the news I want to talk about next, Lucas, is uh, Barcelona and them appointing Xavi as the the coach right to replace Komen. so it seems like he, he's gonna fly in and it was announced by uh i think his name is gerard martino and this guy's like a tier one for barcelona so whatever he says basically ends up happening like if he he's he called messi leaving gerard romero sorry gerard romero yeah oh so, romero romero okay. yeah so he called he called messi leaving neymar leaving like he is like top tier. So he says that uh, Javi's announcement will be tomorrow. He'll travel from Doha to Barcelona with uh, Uste and Almeni. Javi wants to go to Vigo to be with the team in the stands. Official presentation will be Tuesday or Wednesday. So, so he's going to fly in tomorrow for the game to watch. And then he'll be appointed the following week. So my question for you is given Javi's appointment, right, being imminent, which we talked about well last, last week. Yeah, we talked about it a lot, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. How do you think they will do uh, now that we have another week of uh, La Liga and then another week of Barcelona falling up behind? Let me read you their schedule, right? I'll read okay. you their, their next uh, – I'll read you, like, their games all the way till Christmas break, so December 19th, Okay. You just tell me. Uh, you just tell me win, draw, or loss. Okay. Okay. They play Celta Vigo this weekend. Draw. Okay. They play Espanol in the derby the following weekend. Uh, two weeks from now because we have international break. Okay. So. Yeah, I was gonna say that before or after the international break. Yeah, yeah. After. After the international break, I think it's a win. Okay, I agree with you. They play Barcelona. Uh, they play Benfica in the group stages of the Champions League. I think it's gonna be a draw. Okay. Uh, Villarreal. Following that. Win. Okay. Real Betis. Win. Okay. Ooh, so you have them picking up form until they hit Bayern. Yeah, lose. Okay. Obviously. 
for yeah. sure, right? For sure. Um, all right, so you know, form. I just think they have the quality of the players that should. I agree. Form well under Chavi right now. Like Anzu Fati, healthy is a is a fantastic player. Memphis Depay can score goals. Uh, Gavi coming in as a 17 year old uh, winger midfielder. Um, Pedri should be coming back soon. Yeah, uh, it's gonna come in like where these players should perform well, and they're not playing like top tier uh, quality. Like Villarreal has been in poor form. Um, Real Betis has hasn't been all that good either. So they should win those games. I agree with you. Okay, to conclude the schedule, right? Uh, Osasuna. I'll just read these last three: Osasuna, Elche, and. That is it. They play friendly with Boca Juniors uh, December 14th. We're not going to count that. So, so Osasuna and Elche had to close the break. I would say, well, it depends if they're home or away, but it's either it should be a minimum of draw. Okay. Both of those. Okay. So, so, I don't think, besides Bayern, I don't foresee them losing any games except for maybe Benfica as well. They can lose. I think that's fair for sure. Uh, this is an easy part of his schedule, so to bring Javi in now, like I think that's a good, uh, I think that's a good strategy. I don't know if they plan this because they're not particularly a great board. I doubt it. So I think uh, him coming in, the run of games that he has now going forward, is going to favor him, right? So just real quick, so Celta Vigo is a point, then Espanyol is four points, Villarreal and Betis. I think you said uh, win and a draw, right? Or win Win and win. Okay. So that's 10 points. Uh, Osasuna Elche, so 16 points, right? 16 points would put him at 32 to, to conclude this, the, the winter break, right? So they'll be at roughly 17 games, basically half the season. They'll be sitting on 32 points. Okay. Yep. So I'll, so they have 32 points, right? Real Madrid, uh, Real Sociedad have 24 and 25. Sevilla has 24. And Atletico has 22. And Real Betis has 21, right? So you have, uh, they have basically from fifth place, they have a five-point gap. Uh, I think your reasoning is pretty good. I think I, think I could see them rounding into form. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they just lost one of them. Right, because Javi's a new manager. I don't know how he's gonna, how long it's gonna take for him to implement his playing style. Maybe people will be excited, but I know for when he became manager of uh, Al Sad, I think in the Qatar Stars League, it took some time for them to get the style that he wanted. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm excited uh, to see how this plays out. I hate Javi. Uh, you have to respect him, though. Uh, he, I, I never said I didn't respect yeah. him, but I hate him. And now I'm going to be disgusted with him when he lines up against us in the next El Clasico. But I hope we get to kick his teeth in. I really do. Uh, does this change things for, for us? I think in, in terms of our, of our predictions, I don't think so. So yeah. I think we'll just move on to the, to the next topic. So uh, balls in your court, Lucas. What is it that you would like to talk about next? So uh, other noteworthy news, and this could be like very, very quick because it's not a shocker to us really, but FIFA has been, um, they have been under the spotlight recently with FIFA officials being bribed 
to award the World Cups to Russia and Qatar, and they are actually getting, uh, I believe it was either arrested or, um, what is it? Uh, for corruption, they're getting arrested or they're either charged a huge fine, whatever it may be. Um, it's really just not surprising, but it's something to note because we've talked about how much we dislike the Qatar World Cup, and this just pretty much justifies why we dislike the Qatar World Cup. Um, it, it's really sad to see that FIFA is doing this and that they were, they're getting bribed to uh, essentially give World Cups to nations that don't really deserve it. So, uh, what's it called? They face fraud charges over a secret payment, they being former FIFA president Sepp Blatter, um, and then also uh, Michel Platini. So, <laughs> it's just, it, it's sad. To me, it's just sad seeing this. Um, it takes away from, to be honest, Qatar is not a country that has a huge footballing population. It takes away from a country like, uh, let's say the U.S., because the U.S. was going to do it in 2022, but it's not. It's going to be 2026. It could have been the U.S. then. It could have been another uh, another nation. But they are indicted. Um, they're facing fraud charges. Uh, it's just something that we wanted to point out, uh, something to monitor as things stand. We don't really know much what's going to happen Potentially down the line, we can see, I mean, Sepp Blatter has already uh, resigned. So not really a surprise to us that he has been indicted. But Michel Plutini as well, um, yeah, it's it's just really, really sad to see. Uh, people care more about the money than the actual true love of the sport. And we, we've called it out. I, I believe we've called it out. Where they're trying to change the World Cup from four years to two years, and that really takes away the the love and the anticipation and the excitement for the World Cup. Because every four years, you have people who aren't soccer fans just love the World Cup because it's the World Cup, and it doesn't happen often. It's like the Olympics. If you make the Olympics every two years, take away uh, winter or summer. If you make the Summer Olympics every two years, it wouldn't be as enjoyable. So no, the same no. would be said with uh, the World Cup. Uh, hopefully this opens FIFA's eyes to say, hey, we don't, we shouldn't do the World Cup every two years. The money is not an issue for us. They're a billion dollar uh, organization. Like it's nothing like, uh, yeah, it's just, it's sad that money is causing so much um, in this world, but yeah, that that's it that I wanted to call out. Is there anything that you wanted to say, Nick? No, honestly, uh, I feel like you covered everything that uh, we we both could possibly say together. And honestly, I don't feel like our views are very much different on something like this. You know, we're very we're very anti money uh, when it comes to uh, kind of like draining everything out of a sport that we we all love. The game just generates. Uh, like income by itself you know what i mean it just prints money by itself and you don't need to force things to make it happen you know there's not there's nothing that needs to be done to 
make the games, particularly the World Cup, right, and particularly any of the decisions that FIFA makes, there's there's nothing that needs to be done to to for them to generate more money because they don't need to do that much work. It's not hard, and just let the game run its course. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And with that uh, negative news, let's let's talk about some some more positive news, which is some great football that happened this week. Uh, Champions League match day four. I'm gonna run through the results. Just interrupt me and let me know your thoughts on any game. All right. Yes. So Chelsea beat Malmo one nil. Wolfsburg beat or beat Salzburg two one. Villarreal with a two nil victory. Juve with a four two victory. Bayern with a five two thrashing of Benfica. Lille beating Sevilla two one. Uh, Barcelona scraping by Dinamo Kiev 1-0. Atalanta and Man United 2-2. Real Madrid beating Shakhtar Donetsk 2-1. Milan and Porto drawing 1-1. Sporting uh, thrashing Besiktas 4-0. Ajax with a 3-1 victory over Dortmund. Um, They they have truly been the surprise of of the group stage for sure. 100%. Inter beating Sheriff 3-1, and then uh, Liverpool beating uh, Atletico Madrid 2-0, which is uh, dominant, actually. If you watch the game, that was pure domination. Man City beating Club Bruges 4-1, and of course, the last the last game that's on this list right now, PSG and RB Leipzig drawing 2-2. <laughs> so, uh, let me just like get, it, get into this right away. Since I we alluded to this earlier. So what happened was I had a parlay for the match, the second day of the match day. So this was the one day that I needed seven or eight games to hit. Seven of the games hit. Uh, PSG were up 2-1. And I needed PSG to win the money line. Just they were up 2-1, needed them to win. If they win, great. It was a big victory, big victory. What happened was in the 90th minute, they gave up a penalty. It was a careless tackle, careless challenge by Kimbembe, but it was a penalty nonetheless. And RB Leipzig come back and draw. And actually, they saved their chances of making to Europa League. So for them, it it was a good result to make the Europa, uh, to have a fighting chance. But it was sad for me. It was a sad story for me. But otherwise, I love seeing PSG just either draw or lose because they have a stacked team and they should be winning every single time. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what happened with the parlay. Some other results that really intrigued me, and I, and I mentioned this uh, a bit earlier, but Liverpool dominating Atletico Madrid 2-0. It could have been 4-0, 5-0. Even before the red card, it could have been... They were just in control of that game. In yeah. control of that game. Yeah, uh, I have to say, like for me, the the two results that stood out the the most is uh, Atalanta and Man United, right? Just because yeah. Ronaldo single handedly has been keeping uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at his position, right? Uh, yeah. Just literally single handedly. Just it's it's just so impressive to me that he is. Uh, nine goals in 11 games despite his manager. Uh, and, you know, that's nothing to say about their relationship. It's just more of how uh, tactically inefficient Ola has been. 
So that's the first result that I was like just impressed by. The Very most, all facts. Yeah. The the one I do want to talk about is uh, Borussia Dortmund losing to Ajax, right? Yeah. So this, I mean, listen, like an English referee uh, messes this game up because Dortmund is leading one nothing and Hummels ends up get getting a red card on like the 29th minute before they get the PK to to score, right? So it's 0-0, Hummels gets sent off, they score in the 37th minute at PK. But what ends up happening, Lucas, and you know this too, if you're down 10 men so early, it puts you in such a bad spot because it's not just that you're you're out man, right? You're going to get more tired because you're going to cover more ground because you're missing another player. So what ends up happening is Ajax scores three goals in the last 20 minutes, right? Yeah. So they that, that's how they really win the game. Uh, Dorman can't can't do anything but defend really for the majority of the second half due to how gassed they are, and I, this result is kind of like a good intro to people who only follow uh, football outside of England to how bad English referees are. They could have gone to VAR, right? Hummels Hummels got the red card and was pushing his teammates off of the ref because he was like. Don't worry, VAR's going to overturn it. It's going to be at least a yellow. I personally thought a yellow would have been fine. Yeah. Even been a yellow. Should have, right? Even if they should did. Not have, it should not have been a yellow. I don't even think it was that reckless of a That's challenge. Saying. That's what I'm saying. At the very worst, it should have been a yellow. At the very worst. Like, if they had not even given him a yellow, I'd been like, all right, fine. Like, it's tough, but, like, I, I could see how it could not even be a yellow card. And uh, just to, to just to conclude this point, he calms his his people down, right? His teammates down, because he thinks VAR is going to overturn it. Instead, VAR does not overturn it, does not send the ref to the TV to review, and it's upheld, which is crazy to me. Like, how can people who are in the booth, especially? I understand refs who are on the field, right? If you're on the field, sometimes if it's a bang bang play. You can't see it or you miss it or your head's focused on something else. I can understand. Or you're in the wrong direction. There are times where you can't see exactly the, the back half yeah. of what occurs, right? In this situation, though, the ref not only gets it wrong, but VAR, who has the ability to see different things and to call into question what's going on, also gets it wrong. And I put this entirely on both of them. I feel like if Hummels is not sent off, this result ends up being at a minimum a, a draw, if not a draw, then certainly a win for Dortmund because I was impressed with them more before the red card. And I think that what will end up happening is uh, both teams will go through, right? But to conclude my point, uh, I want to read you the full interview that Hummels had. Okay, I'm going to read you the full interview. And then I'm going to talk about Ajax, and then I'll just give it back to you to talk about the results that you were interested in, if there's any other ones besides the, the Liverpool result and, uh, and the and PSG result, and then uh, we, can, we can move on, okay? So Hummels is interviewed, right? What are your thoughts on the red card? The interviewer asked Hummels. Hummels goes, I have no idea how you can give a red card here. No idea how you can give that as a referee that is supposedly on a Champions League level. And then the interviewer goes, the VAR checked it. What were your thoughts then? Hummels goes, I stayed on the pitch because, of course, I knew what happened. He stepped on my calf. You feel that. I said to myself, okay, look at it. 
then give me a yellow card to not look completely stupid with your decision. But when he, he stayed with the red, I was completely baffled. That's an absurd mistake. He decided the match today, and I think he knows it. He goes, the interview goes, after you the game, you shortly talked to him. What was said? Hummels goes, he didn't want to speak with me at that time because the cameras are on us. But I will ask him later in the locker rooms what he saw. I'm really interested in that. And one thing I would like to add, the play acting of my opponent should not be ignored. That was completely unsporting, which he was right. Yeah. Right? Totally, total garbage. And I like Anthony, but total garbage. Uh, he goes, he falls down, he looks up and rolls around three more times after that, right? Uh, <laughs> he, funny enough, he even comes over to me and says, that isn't a red card. He himself said that. Uh, and then it just goes on and on. But, you know, I sometimes feel like these referees in English, uh, in the Prem, get a pass when they have post-match interviews, right? When managers have post-match interviews, I want the pressure to be on the refs more like it used to be back in the day. When I see Arteta give an interview, I don't hear him ripping the refs anymore. And there are times where he should have, right? I just feel like they're too polite. They need to really be more stern and just go after these guys, not physically, obviously, but just verbally in the post-match interviews, right? Putting that pressure on them makes them want to perform better and makes the, makes the – actual eyes on them, right? What they're going to do, whether they're going to call it correct or not. So that's what I wanted to say, Lucas. I'll just give it back to you. No, that was great. And, and I think this points out to what we've mentioned earlier, that refs need to have post-match interviews. If they have a post-match interview and explain why that challenge went that way, okay, yeah, we understand it. Yeah, It's probably not the right decision, but we understand it. They need to be held accountable just like the players and the managers need to be held accountable for their post-match interviews. And also, Dortmund, that 100% changed the game because Dortmund got an unfair penalty, which wasn't a penalty. Um, Dortmund, I think the ref was just trying to make do, make right with yeah. that decision. But it, it's one thing to have a penalty call. It's another thing to play with 10 men for 70 minutes or eight, uh, 60 minutes, whatever it may be. Because like you said, it's going to be exhausting for the players. Just so exhausting. Um, I'd have the PK. I'd rather have the PK. If I'm, if I'm the team and I get either the PK conceded or uh, I'm, 10 men I'm down to 10 men for 70 minutes, I'd rather get the PK against my team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'd rather be one man up. Yeah. Yeah, no he definitely he definitely messed up. Um, hundred percent. It's it's a shame. Uh, you have VAR for a reason. Go use it. Go use it. Um, other results that really interested me is just Bayern still showing their domination. Uh, five two against Benfica, who have been a solid side, putting five against uh, Benfica, and they actually obliterated them. Twenty four shots, twelve shots on target. It was um, what we expected from Bayern. Really, just what we expected from Bayern. Uh, it seems the Sheriff uh, story is over. The fairy tale is over after their two wins. Uh, we'll see what happens with Real Madrid and Sheriff next week or the following week after the international break. But it seems that that is uh, done and dusted. Hopefully they get into the into the Europa League. Um 
But yeah, that's those are the main uh, games I wanted to touch on. Uh, everything else was pretty pretty set in stone. It's results that we expected, results that didn't really impact the standings for each of the groups in any way or shape or form. But I will say, Man United have become Ronaldo FC. Uh, he, without him, we ha- are not in the place that we are for um, in in our group stage. We would not be top of the table with seven points facing Villarreal. Uh, it just would not happen. Um, but again, it helps secure the fact that the ball is still in uh, United's court. They need to win against Villarreal. They need to get a result against Young Boys, and then they move on. Um, yeah, that that's honestly it was a good a good recap of the Champions League, but um, things were pretty pretty expected. Yeah, I agree with you. It's gonna, it's that group specifically. It's gonna come down to the last match day yeah. for who finishes in uh, what place. I think, man, we, like we said before in our predictions, Man United will go through. Whether it's first or second, they'll go through. And then Villarreal, Atalanta, who goes through, will be determined by the last game of the season, uh, essentially, where Villarreal and Atalanta play. Right, Man United play Young Boys. I expect them to win that game, despite losing the first game. In the group stages, and then uh, with Villarreal, Atalanta, Atalanta should go in with eight points. Villarreal, maybe they'll have uh, they'll have anywhere from seven to ten, right? That that game with United is so big that that one could go either way. Uh, so so I'm excited to see it. This is this is this might be the tightest uh, tightest group, right? F and G are for sure for sure really tight between uh, those four teams in each group, right? Because yeah. Salzburg to Sevilla. Sevilla could still qualify uh, with only three points because Salzburg has seven, and then Man United, the Young Boys, uh, four points separates them as well. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All so right. Just... I think I think we have a good segue into our next topic, which is Ballon d'Or. Uh, it's shortly coming up. Uh, it will be November 29th, where it will be announced. Um, the shortlist came out last week, uh, and we've been talking about this just between me and Nick of who should win the Ballon d'Or. There have been speculations. There's been um, arguments about who should win it. Uh, Nick, I'm going to run you through a name of players. Okay. I want you to let me know who's your top three and then who's your winner. Okay. So Messi, Lewandowski. Jorginho, Kante, Karim Benzema, Mbappe, Lukaku, Erling Haaland, Ronaldo, uh, Kevin De Bruyne, uh, Donnarumma, Salah. Okay. Of those so, 12. I named 12. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to say a couple of things. Um, so, so Lucas, I, like, I, I, that was the first time I heard it. So they're going to announce it at the end of this month, basically end yeah. of November. Okay. Yeah. So, There's more players in the wait li- in the shortlist, but those are the players that are mo- most likely to uh, win it. Okay, so this is this is my thing. Before I, I get started, I'm gonna go on a, a little mini rant. Uh, I think you know if they're basing this on a, a total year, right? To to conclude the awards without uh, one month out of the year not being played, I think is kind of uh, not cool. I don't know if they did this last year because I really don't remember. Uh, 
because I think for, for the Ballon d'Or the year before, I know they didn't have it, right? Yeah. But they had FIFA Men's Player of the Year, which Lewandowski won. So uh, this, is, this, is, this is the thing with, with them. I wish they, they – even if they separated them, the Ballon d'Or should, have, should be held or given in, in end of January just so we have that last month just like the FIFA Men's Player of the Year is. For my top three, right, Lewandowski – uh, Lionel Messi and Georgina will be the three players that I would put on my short list. So, so this is this is the thing. Uh, I would put Messi on the short list because of his accomplishments of winning the Copa America. He had a great end of the 20 to 21 season, right? That second half. He actually would not be uh, my pick to win it because he has not had a good start to this year, in my opinion. He has been hurt. Uh, he hasn't played as many games as he should have, and it, it, I don't think he's even scored yet in the league. So he's not. So I mean, listen, like if you're going to be an award that's given for the year 2021, the beginning half of this year counts. And with that being said, I don't think Messi should win it. I think that it was very tight. If you asked me in the beginning of the year, I could totally see a path where he got it because he had a just as good of a shot as Lewandowski did, right? So that would be my reason for him to not win it. Giorgino, for the simple reason of the run with Italy, the yep. run with Chelsea, he was uh, one of the he was the best player I think for for the Champions League season last year, and he was also one of the instrumental players for the Euros. So he definitely sh- should belong there, right? I think. If you were to replace him with Salah, given how hot Salah has started, I could totally see that happening. Uh, Benzema's so- hot start to this year as well has been incredible, but I think based on how they ended the the second half of last season, uh, I would keep both of them off, but it would be super close. You know, they'd be in my top five. Uh, the winner would be Lewandowski, in my mind, I think. I think the argument is uh, very cut and dry for him. Okay, I'm gonna just read you some of the statistics that he's had for for this year. Okay, and you just you just sit there and nod your head. <laughs> okay, so he broke Gerd Muller's record, right? Which is a historically great record. It was uh, it was a record that stood for almost 50 years, basically, and he did this, right? He beat it. Uh, I'm not saying that the whole season should, should be taken into account, but last season he scored 48 in 40 games. This season he has scored 22 and 16, okay? I know it's the Bundesliga, but Messi is in a weaker league in Liga, and he hasn't scored yet this season, so I'm going to put that out there. Uh, internationally, right? Internationally, People might point to Poland and their poor performance in the Euros and look that look at that as uh, something that's a blemish on his record, right? I disagree strongly. Lewandowski this year for internationally scored nine goals in eleven games. Okay, so he scored he scored three times in the Euros. Uh, he scored essentially basically like in I want to say he scored in um, what is it? He scored in a World Cup qualifying, right? He scored, I think, I think six total. So, I mean, to, to, to go into the group stages, go out, right, but score three in three games, I think you can't fault him for Poland going out. It's not his fault. It's not like he played poorly. He played the same level he did for Bayern as he did for Poland. 
Uh, and I and this year, you know, he's the top scorer in the Champions League. He scored eight goals in four games. So I just think that his uh, abilities speak for themselves. Had he been healthy against PSG, Bayern would have won won it again. In my opinion, they would have won the fixture against PSG because uh, he was missing for both legs, and then they would have beaten Man City too. So with that being said, I I would pick uh, I would pick Lewandowski as my first choice. And I will turn it over to you to debate me on this. No, it's not really going to be much of a debate. I, I agree with you. I think Lewandowski should win, but I think it's a lot tighter than you're making a seem. No, it, it is because of the hype around Messi winning the international trophy, which is well-deserved, right? Yeah. Well, So well-deserved. But And it, listen, if he had started this season like just normal, just totally normal, uh, I probably would have picked him to win it, right? I probably, okay. I probably would have picked him if he started normal. But listen, he only has a month left, less than a month, and I, I just don't think he should, he should just, I don't think he should win it because this, this first half of the season counts, and he hasn't performed up to the standard. So now let me ask you a question here: Did PSG buy Messi to help them win the league, or did they, did they buy him to help in Champions League? So uh, I listen to so this is a good question. Uh, does PSG really buy players for anything other than to to have them on their team? Okay, all right, fair enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, like their squad, their squad without Messi. If you had removed Messi from this transfer window, it would still be the greatest transfer window any club has ever had, uh, and they still would be the favorites to win it. Okay, so I I think he is super nice to have. Obviously, he's like one of the greatest players to ever do it. Uh, he's he's done well in the Champions League. Like I'm not gonna sit here and, and uh, debate against you for that because I think we both agree he's shown up. Uh, I just think that you know if 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 we're talking about his impact in the Champions League this season so far, I think. Uh, we would have to wait till next year's awards to determine that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the reason I, I brought that up is because they knew they were going to win the league, and they're top of the table by so much right now. They didn't necessarily need Messi. Um, yes, he's been banged up with injuries, but he still has three goals in four games. In, no, in three games in the Champions League. Yeah. So he helped uh, solidify that comeback against Man City. He helped solidify the comeback against uh, RB Leipzig, like he has been vital for them in the Champions League, and I, I don't think you could take the start of the season away from him. And looking at the stats, Robert Lewandowski has 59 goals, nine assists in 2021 so far. Yep, he has 40 goals, 14 assists. That's with missed games, injury, whatever. With the Copa America win, which I think helps significantly. Of course, it's not as as big as of a tournament as the Euros, or more competitive. Not It is a big tournament. It's not as competitive as the Euros. People yeah. don't look at it as highly. So that's why I I still agree with you. I think Lewandowski is going to win the Ballon d'Or, or should win the Ballon d'Or. But it's going to be very, very close. It's not unanimous. I've seen years where the trophy has... It's been unanimous, the winner. Yeah. But I think it's going to be more... 60% towards Lewandowski, 
40% towards uh, Messi. I I think Jorginho is going to be in the top three, although I don't I, I don't know if his impact really was that impactful for no. both of his sides. I think the reason he's in the discussion is because he won the trophies with both of his sides, but yeah. saying he didn't have uh, Marco Barella or N'Golo Kante next to him for Chelsea, uh, for Italy and Chelsea respectively, he would not be in this discussion because he needs somebody next to him. So he's not he's not somebody that takes over the game. Yeah, he's a great player. He's a great player. Had a had a monster came into monster form at the end of the year and uh, and during the Euros. So like, it's not like he was just an average player. He was great, right? But it's not like it's very similar to when Modric won the the Ballon d'Or a few years ago when uh, we both thought Ronaldo should have won it. You know what I mean? So so I think I think I don't think it's like that though because Modric actually helped Croatia. And he was vital in that team. He scored goals for them left and right. Like he was also vital for Real Madrid, scoring goals left and right for them. With Jorginho, he only has eight goals, three assists. Yeah, but his ga- his game goes beyond like those numbers. You know what I mean? Like he is his, his setup play and positioning, like with Conte, is what makes them an elite midfield. So that's I think what, I th- that's what I'm saying with Conte. Yeah, with Varela. Yes. Like, with Verratti. Yeah. Like, he himself is not a game changer. He is not the most valuable player, in my opinion. Okay. I see what you're saying. I, I mean, listen, I think I think he uh, he is a great player. I don't think he's um, – is he as good as Conte? No, right, if, if that's the argument. Uh, I think – is he is he as good uh, as Barella or Verratti? I think he he is. I, I just do right. Conte is just his own his own breed. Yeah. I I just don't want us to uh to diminish him as like a player and think that he is a, a lesser player because he's really not. It's just that he just he's the player that won like the best trophies this this past year. You know what I mean? Like then that and that's that's what he is. So so I think he'll just trophies be there. are also a team thing. I agree with you 100%. And that's why Lewandowski should win it. You know what I mean? I, he's, he's been, if you, if you look at the past three years, he's been the best player. If they had the ball on door last season, he should have clearly won it. Uh, and, you know, I, like, like you said, it's going to be fun to, to see who wins it. To, I, I know you may not be shocked. I would be so shocked if Messi won, to be honest. I would be so shocked just because I just think that like Lewandowski, yeah, I understand. Like Messi scored three goals in three games. Lewandowski scored eight goals in four games in the Champions League group stages. Yeah. You know what I mean? He scored. He scored in a harder group. In a harder group against Barcelona and Benfica. You know what I mean? Like he has those two teams in his group. Uh, PSG. I understand they have Man City, uh, but Leipzig is is not a good team. They had not they had not scored a point until they they got that PK in the last minute. So. Uh, I th- I just think that Lewandowski uh, deserves it. I would be shocked if Messi won it, but I do think, uh, like you, it's a two-man race. Yeah, yeah. All right. So with that being said, I think this is a great, great, interesting debate that we had. Even though yeah. we both agree that Lewandowski w- will win it, uh, there's just so many layers to the to this conversation, and I I like having it uh, every year because every year is different. You know what I mean? Uh, 
going into the matches for this weekend, right? We like to start with the Prem, uh, so I'm just going to. Go the ahead. Manchester Derby is this Saturday. Normally, a game of this magnitude would be on a late Sunday afternoon kickoff, but no one believes in Manchester United, so they, they slot them right there at 8 a.m. on a Saturday, or 8.30 in the morning on a Saturday. And uh, it's going to be fun, Lucas. So my question to you, mm-hmm. right? And uh, we'll get into the other big game, uh, which is crazy because West Ham Liverpool is viewed as a bigger game than this one. Uh, <laughs> how many goals does Man City need to score to get Ole sacked? He won't get sacked. We know this. <laughs> They'll score eight goals and he won't get sacked. Like, you come on, now. I think, I think, man, honestly, uh, I feel really bad for you, and I see how sad you are. Uh, the, the, I, think, I think if Man United loses as badly as they did to Liverpool, then he gets the sack. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? No, Just, that, that I agree with. But honestly, like, I expect every single time we play City, I expect a loss, and somehow we always manage a victory. Yeah. Last year, we beat... Oli is the only manager to uh, do the double on Pep Guardiola. And he has beaten Pep four out of the five games, which is, what? Like, (laughs) I don't get it. Um, So that's why I can see us competing. What sucks is uh, Harry Maguire is in the worst form form of his life. He needs to have his captaincy stripped. He's not... He is not in the form that he was with uh, England in the Euros. Luke Shaw also, it, like, worst form of his life as well. Rafael Varane being injured hurts our team so much. 100%. He's by far your best defender. So right. much. Um, the thing is, Eric Bailly played fantastic on uh, Tuesday for United. Without him, we would have probably conceded four or five goals. Yeah, uh, but I don't know if Oli is going to start him, considering the fact that Oli has his favorites. If Lindelof is in, he'll probably put Maguire and Lindelof. But for me, I would prefer to have Eric Bailly and Lindelof as the center back pairing, or go with the three back with Shaw and Wambasaka in the in the wing back roles. But I don't see that happening, and I anticipate City thrashing them. Although it, it'll be a closer one than than we anticipate. Yeah. So for Veron, how much longer is he going to be out for you guys? Because he has a hamstring, right? Yeah. Three to four weeks. So three to four more weeks from today, basically. So like, okay, okay. So that's tough, right? Um, yeah, that's gonna be tough. He is by far your guys' best defender based on form. Even if he's just fresh off the hospital bed. He's him with Bai is your best defensive pairing currently right now, just based off of form, right? Because Maguire is so terribly out of form, and Luke Shaw really needs to ride the bench for a little bit and have Tellez get some games because, you know, like the rotation for Man United has been pretty non-existent this year, Agreed. and you can't do that with the thing with Arteta and Arsenal. Like I will say, uh, for them, and they should win against Watford, but if they lose, it'd be a total Arsenal result. Uh, the thing the thing that Arteta does pretty well is his rotations are pretty on point for midweek matches and, and everything. So uh, I expect them to play like their full squad at full strength because they have really nothing else to 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 play for besides the the, the Premier League. 
yeah. uh, positioning, right? I mean, they, they can make a run in the League Cup because they drew Sunderland, so they could, they're, they'll probably go to the semifinals for that. Uh, but, you Speaking know... Speaking about United's rotation, we saw Jaden Sancho and Donny van de Beek come on for the last five to seven minutes of Atalanta. Yeah. And it was the most creative our team has been in the last few games. Yeah. Or the last, like, ten games. Like, Jaden Sancho played so well in that those seven minutes. Donny van de Beek had a ch- uh, great chance on goal coming from Jaden Sancho. Um, I, those guys deserve more minutes. And if we know, considering we know now that uh, Paul Pogba is likely to move on from Manchester United. Yeah. Have uh, Donny van de Beek come in. Slot him in. Play him more. I agree. He's he's a player that can slot in and replace Pogba right away. Yeah. And and to conclude, before we go to West Ham Liverpool, uh, Pogba has always been a player that has been considered uh, one of the best talents uh, in the central midfield like we've ever seen. And to be honest, uh, he's going to... Leave like I would be totally shocked if he stayed. Uh, he will look back, and we will look back on his Manchester United tenure as a disappointment and uh, a time filled with a lot of underperformances. If he had stayed at Juve, the outlook may have been totally different for him. Uh, if he had gone to Barcelona, the outlook may have been totally different t- for him. He, he, I don't know where he's gonna go, probably PSG. We'll see. Uh, It'll, it'll be just interesting to watch what ends up happening with him specifically because I think whoever ends up paying for him, uh, I don't think they'll get their money's worth, to be quite honest. Yeah, he's, uh, he is a mixed, mixed player. When one day he's so, he's so up, he's so, like, he's the, so inconsistent. The start of the season was unreal. Unreal yeah. start of the season. Like, like best center yeah. midfielder in the world unreal start and then he ended up just falling off like yeah meteor, like like a meteor yeah. man uh west ham liverpool right this is the other big match day in the prem uh second versus fourth right now i mean west ham have been almost just as good as liverpool form wise they've won three in a row liverpool have uh scored like seven out of their last uh nine possible points in their their three matches so, I mean, listen, I don't expect Liverpool to lose this game. Yeah. So, I don't I don't see them losing this game. They're just they're just too on point with their form. They I know they drew with Brighton, but the fact that they drew with Brighton and they beat uh Atletico gives me more confidence that they'll want to beat West Ham too. So, I expect them to beat West Ham and then uh we'll go from there, I guess. Yeah, and West Ham has been winless in their last 10 Premier League games against uh, Liverpool. Yeah. So take with that what you can, because I agree with you. It, Liverpool should win. They're in phenomenal form. They, uh, they are away, so have to call that out. But it's still something that it, it'll be interesting to see because two uh, very attacking sides. Um, with West Ham putting up four goals last weekend. Uh, but West Ham also drew today in the Europa League. So coming off for pretty for, uh, poor form. Um, so, yeah, fully expect Liverpool to win that one. Yeah, and then uh, the other game I think we should talk about, right? There's two games left uh, in both their leagues. Uh, I'll give you 
uh, the Milan Derby to talk about, but I'll just talk about real quick, Real Betis versus Sevilla. So this is the Andalusia uh, Derby. So they're both in Seville, right? So same region, same city. Uh, this is going to be third versus fifth. I'm so excited to watch this. I like this is like low key one of the most competitive heated rivalries you could possibly watch. They're both so good this year, and uh, it's Manuel Pellegrini versus um, Lopetegui, and it's going to be exciting to watch. I mean, I'm just excited to watch. This is a must see game. This is a must see game. There's nothing else I want to say. Yeah, and then with that, the Milan derby on Sunday. Uh, Milan is coming off a victory in the league against Roma. Second versus third, Milan versus Inter. It doesn't get much better than that. Um, Milan has just been in fire, fire form in the league with 10 wins, one draw. Uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, we keep, me and a couple of other guys that uh, I've talked about in the in the group or whatever, in the, the guests that we've had, we just always make fun of Milan because they somehow always find a way to win. Last week, it was a penalty against Inter, and they also got a red card. It just doesn't make any sense. It, they always find a way to win. Um, yeah. But this, uh, I think this is where the tide is, will turn. I, I, I think Inter will win this, um, but it will be a tough, tough matchup nonetheless. So yeah. Definitely something to watch. And also, there is another matchup this weekend that in the Bundesliga, we sh- which we don't really talk about too much, but two powerhouses, Dortmund versus RB Leipzig. So that's also 12, uh, 1.30 p.m. on Saturday. It's the main, main game. Um, and yeah, fully expecting a good, good matchup there. Uh, second versus eighth, however, RB Leipzig, you know that they can compete. They drew against Dortmund, uh, PSG, and they are home. Yeah. Not only that, they've also picked up form since we uh, we trashed them, right? So they've been unbeaten for quite a bit. Uh, and listen, they drew with PSG. I mean, I I think their form has been pretty pretty decent compared to the horrible start that they had to start the year. So uh, this is exciting for me. Dortmund have been known to lose games uh, that they're expected to win at the most random times, example being against Ajax, right, twice. Twice. Yeah, so uh, I'm excited to see what happens with this game. So, Lucas, Yeah. yeah. with that being said, we go into probably my favorite segment. We should honestly start tracking our results for uh, the bets that we placed, right? I know I crushed it with the Byron winning at halftime bet. Yeah. Uh, and then you had some good results. We did not get Jamie Vardy anytime score, uh, which is surprising to me, but, you know, I can't complain. We didn't get Tottenham winning last week, but we did get Milan winning. So and won both of us. Um, In our defense, the, the Tottenham bet was more of an emotional one for you rather than a logical one. Yes, yes. Thank you. All right. So with that being said, what are your locks of the week, Lucas? To be honest, I, I didn't do too much research with with the locks of the week. I, I deleted all the apps. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I have to take a look right now on my end. So you, you go ahead with your locks of the week. Okay, cool. All right. So uh, I'll go I'll go Barcelona over Celta Vigo plus 115. 
Uh, I like these odds. I know you expected a, a draw against themselves. Vigo are very good. I just think that with uh, the news of Xavi coming, they'll get an uplift. They'll want to perform. So I, I have Barcelona winning that one. Uh, the other one that I want to do, right? Mm-hmm. So Man City, uh, Liverpool, or Man City, Man United. Uh, I want to go to the anytime goal scorer bets, right? So <laughs> this is going to be interesting, but uh, I'm going to throw a dart at Cristiano Ronaldo at plus 175. Yeah, I like that. So I, I just think the value there for him is so good. Like he is the player that's most capable of scoring yeah. uh, really with within any game. And to get plus odds for him, I think is very good value. Uh, I, I honestly would have to agree with those odds just based on how little faith people have in Manchester United. But he scored three goals over the course of the last week. So he's rounding into form. Uh, I expect him to score there. And then I also want to throw a five probably on uh, – what, is Lukaku playing? I don't think so, actually. He's injured. Uh, no, you're right. So I'll, I'm going to throw – What's up? I would refrain from Chelsea. You would refrain? Okay. I was going to throw a dart at Mason Mount, but I will refrain. And then I want one more bet because I'm a greedy bastard, right? So we'll go to the German Bundesliga, the Farmers League. And we will go to my favorite bet, Bayern Munich. And for over-under, <laughs> three and a half goals. Okay. We're going to go over. Okay. So yeah, I like that. Over, I like that. Over at minus 146, I think it's pretty straightforward. Uh, for for any time goal scorer, you know, the odds are so crazy, right? Lewandowski, minus 430. Why is Sabitzer always a minus to score? I'll never understand. Like, he's always – he's minus 130 to score. So no, I see, I see Sabitzer at, at plus 225. You see him at plus 225? Dude, he's always minus in FanDuel, which is crazy to me. Right? Because how, how – like, l- let's go on a little Sabitzer rant. I want to go on a Sabitzer rant. <laughs> Good. Sonny, Muller, and Lewandowski have been outrageously in form uh, this year, right? So – for them to to like basically uh, score or anything, Lewandowski's minus four thirty. We never bet that. But Muller and Sané are plus one fifteen, plus one twenty. Narby is also minus one thirty. Those are all reasonable bets. Sabitzer hasn't even scored yet for for Bayern in the Bundesliga. He's minus one thirty to score. He's always been like that. Every time I open Bayern's odds in Fanduel, he's always like that. Fanduel, get your shit together, man. <laughs> All right, my first one is Spurs and Everton. Okay. Tottenham, draw no bet. Good bet. So that's at minus 140. I really like that. Uh, it's with Conte, whether it's a draw, whether it's a win, I, I think they need to start off strong, and I think they will do that. I was going to say the Ronaldo plus 160 uh, goals, but I guess I'm not going to do that anymore. Why not? Um, so the, the other one I was going to say was actually Bayern Munich uh, over one and a half in the first half. So Ooh. Bayern Freiburg over one and a half in the first half. Okay. Uh, that's minus 130. And might as well just throw in another one. Let's get one from Dortmund Leipzig. And wow, money line odds. Dortmund has plus 240. That's um, I, instead of doing that, I'm going to 
say go with the Dorman draw no bet at plus 155. Okay, perfect. So just going down the list, we have Bayern uh, 3.5 goals over. Uh, we have we have Bayern 1.5 in the first half. Cristiano, anytime goal scorer, we both have. You have Tottenham, draw no bet. Okay. Uh, I forgot. I had one more, I think, right? And you had yeah, one more. Dortmund, uh, draw no bet. And I got you to refrain away from Chelsea. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, all right. So, these are five bets. Oh, also, also, one more, one more. Okay. I have one. Let me, let me open up to see what the odds are. Okay. Player props. Where is it? Oh, where is this? Why is it not showing up? Uh, Are we feeling frisky with Son anytime goal scorer? I was gonna go uh, Jamie Vardy anytime goal scorer. I know, I know he messed us up last week. Yeah. But this week he's facing Leeds, who are prone to, uh, prone to essentially just let up goals with ease. Right now, I'm not seeing any. Options for that. What do you have on FanDuel? For for Vardy, plus 110 for Vardy. Yeah, I would say Vardy goal. Okay, that's good. All right, so I just want to check Son. Son is plus 180 to score against Everton. I like that bet too. So Son Son, uh, to score and then Vardy to score. So then I've written these down. We'll track them. We were fucking trigger happy today. Excuse my language. But uh, we're we're trying to be a kid-friendly show. You're right. You're right. I apologize. So we have it uh, written down, and now we will track it, and then next week I'll let us know how we did, and then I'll we'll. Like All right. So Lucas, is there anything else you'd like to talk about before we depart on today's episode? No, I think we we covered off on some great topics. This was a great show. I hope everybody enjoyed uh, the over hour that we rambled and talked about soccer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's all I had, Nick. Yeah, we'll be back, baby. Enjoy them, Techers. Enjoy them, Techers, everybody. See you guys next week.